You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Dance party, the intro phone. No. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Threw me off a little bit. I could probably edit that, but uh, that's a first, and I feel like it's something that should be preserved for all time. Also, fairly rare, because usually I don't have this hard of a time waking up in the morning. So there shouldn't be an alarm around the intro time. Even though that was my only, hey, it's been 30 minutes, you better be recording by now alarm. Usually I'm, I'm already started well before then. But DJ Galaxy did miss you, and I uh, just wanted to say hello, and uh, he, he's never been able to do an intro. So um, there you go. DJ Galaxy with the intro. Uh, once again, the Facebook mock draft poll thing is still running. I should be able to change that over today. I'm doing about once a day. So if you want to get in there and vote, go ahead. As of right now, a guard is winning, I think. Last time I checked, he was. So be sure to get in there. Otherwise, I just want to say thanks to Kyle. I saw that uh, he gave me a shout-out on a uh, Facebook group. I appreciate all the support on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, I mentioned Reddit the other day. I don't really like doing that stuff because it feels weird, like, hey, check out, you know, self-promotion stuff. I'll do it on the podcast, but you go into these Facebook groups... And it's mostly just people, like, talking about the Packers. There's basically zero self-promotion, and I don't want to be that guy. But uh, Kyle, Kyle went and took the bullet for me, and I appreciate that. But otherwise, it's just a phone number, man. Lady. Is there an equivalent for females that's, like, the word man? It's just, like, a throwaway thing? Like, dude? I don't think there is. Sorry, ladies. I'm just going to be saying man a lot, because it's just a thing that you can't say for women. I don't know what to do, woman! It doesn't. That doesn't sound good. That's not it. Anyways, phone number to call 608 I'm just trying to be inclusive, but sometimes it just it's just not going to work. Also, a Packernet podcast first. My son gets up at 3.30, comes downstairs, tells me he wants to sleep on the couch, and I need to turn the light off. So we will be podcasting in the dark today. This is a very weird day. But we'll find a way through this. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, I want to start with something that uh, it's kind of a throwaway at this point. It's so old, and now there's some, some recent developments that make it even more unlikely. But I had mentioned quite a while ago that I had had two predictions. One of them was the Russell Wilson prediction, and the other one was a running back, and I couldn't exactly remember who it was, so I couldn't pull up all the information. Well, now I got it, so let's just talk about it very briefly, and then we'll truck along. But I was trying to look at some of the free agents, and um, 
trying to see, okay, we got an idea for what Gutekunst is trying to do here. Not to say that he has to continue this trend. And I understand Tom Silverstein also uh, shot out there that maybe the salary cap isn't what we thought it was, and we have maybe around $5 million left over. I don't know how that's exactly possible, other than maybe we're mistaken on how some of these contracts are structured. I don't know. But regardless, I figure let's look at some of the remaining free agents and see who kind of makes sense. So I kind of use the old criteria that they've been using. I didn't want anybody over 27 years old. I wanted young guys. Um, I was looking at, you know, some of the statistics and looking for maybe people that are going to be let go that seemingly, I don't know if broke out is the right way to say it, but you know, statistically they're really on point. Also looking for well-rounded with a decent amount of upside. I found a list of everybody available, and there were some that were kind of close, but there was only one that kind of checked all the boxes for me, and that was Malcolm Brown from the Rams. Now, it's not impossible that we can still get Malcolm Brown, but the Rams did offer a tender, and it was an original round tender, meaning they did the same thing that we did to Geronimo, which essentially what happened with Geronimo is he kind of tested the market, and apparently it seems like somebody must have been offering some money, and the Packers like, nope, all right, we'll give you a contract. Never mind. But they offered Malcolm Brown an original round contract, which essentially means we can offer a contract, and if the Rams want to match it, they can. If they don't, then we can get them. And the current original round tender is two-ish million dollars, which when we're talking about running back is already, you know, it's getting up there. Running backs are kind of cheap. But Malcolm Brown is 26 years old. He's 5'11", 222, so he fits in perfectly. He ran a 4.62, which is really, really slow but was a 2015 undrafted free agent, which I guess doesn't really speak super high because all the guys that we got at least were drafted somewhere. Amos was fifth. Not exactly sure about Preston and Zadarius. But anyways, this is it follows a similar trajectory. In 2015, he didn't very, play very much. 2016, he got 61 snaps, um, was fairly promising in the pass game and as a blocker, but couldn't do much else. 2017, he had 157 snaps, couldn't do much of anything at all. And then 2018, 125 snaps. Again, not very many playing sort of a rotational role as, uh, you know, through, what, 11 games? And he did play against Green Bay, which always kind of means something because the Packers at least get eyes on him at some point. But he'd play upwards of 25 snaps in a game. Well, he definitely had somewhat of a breakout. In terms of grade, he had an 83.3 overall grade, which is very good. He had a uh, good pass grade, an elite blocking grade, a good run grade, and a good run blocking grade. He was good across the board, which is that versatility thing that I was talking about that a lot of these guys have. They can do a lot of different things. I mean, you get a guy that can run well, block well, and can be used as a receiver, that's pretty solid. Now, he wasn't consistent necessarily as a receiver, but he wasn't bad. But for a 5'11", 222-pound guy that runs a 4.62 to average 4.9 yards per carry, that also isn't horrible. He had four yards of 10 car- uh, four carries of 10 yards or more, which doesn't seem like much until you realize it's 43 carries, which is about one in 10, one in 11. It's kind of a lot. Of his 212 yards, 128 of those yards came after contact because he's a bowling ball. And he averaged 10.4 yards per reception, which isn't bad when you consider he's a running back, and most of his passes came you know, in and around the line of scrimmage, which is reflected in the fact that 8.4 of his yards... Uh, came after the catch per reception. So on average, he's catching it one, what, ten y- two yards down the field, taking it at an additional 8.4 yards. His overall passer rating when targeted was 142.4. So anyways, kind of disappointed. I went back and tried to find his name. I was going through the free agent list. I was like, where is he? I don't recognize his name anywhere. I can't find him. 
it's because the Rams offered him a tender. So I don't want to spend a lot of time because it becomes less likely, but for a guy that we could snag for pretty cheap, probably could have got him a lot cheaper if the Rams hadn't slapped that tender on him. And I don't know if they plan on keeping him, if we do offer him something, but I, if I was the Packers and I was wanting to stick with the Gutekunst formula, Malcolm Brown is somebody I'd probably offer a, a little bit to. Just as a depth guy, he's not a high upside player, but young, depth, versatile, whole nine yards. But otherwise, it's pretty much back to the drawing board. I mean, it's pretty well dried up as far as the formula goes. Uh, I went through running back. There's basically nothing left. I think, like, Spencer Ware would be the next best option in terms of, you know, fitting the formula. Not super great, but, you know, equally average across the board. Only 27, 5'10", 229, sixth-round pick. I think him and Ajayi, there's there's something there, but I also think, especially with Ajayi, you're, you're, the price just goes up because of his success at one point, the name thing. But anyways, yeah, I, I went through running backs, I went through wide receivers, I went through just about everybody, and there's not a lot left to love. The only thing left that I think makes a little bit of sense would be Trey Boston. I know it's all over Twitter right now. I don't want to just jump on a big group think, thing right now, but there, there has to be something wrong with Trey Boston. Trey Boston played for the Carolina Panthers. He did fine, even though the perception was he wasn't great. They tried to trade him. They couldn't find a trade partner, so they just flat-out cut him. He gets picked up by the Chargers. He plays really well as a full-time safety, um, and they don't re-sign him. And he becomes a free agent, and he just flounders forever. Nobody wants to pick him up. Nobody wants to take He's trying to make money. He visited Arizona, left without a contract, because he wants more money than what they were offering, and he eventually settles with Arizona for like a $1 million contract. It was ridiculous. It was a $1 million salary with a $300,000 bonus, $175,000 roster bonus, and a $1 million in incentives. I have no idea how much of that he actually hit. But total cash was like $2.4 million. And now again, the Cardinals don't want him back. And nobody seems to want to pick this guy up. I just don't understand. There, there's either locker room issues or injury. I know he's been injured, but, I mean, a lot of people have been injured. Something is wrong with this guy. Let me just read you. And, and by the way, um, 400 snaps in 2014, 293 in 2015, 840 in 2016, 1,039 in 2017, 950 in 2018. So he's been pretty close to or full-time since 2016. In that time, here's his NFL passer rating uh, when targeted. 35.7, 39.6, and 61. The only below average grade he's ever had in his five-year career is in 2017, he had a below average pass rush grade on seven attempts, which is a throwaway. He's never used in that capacity, but in seven attempts, he had zero pressures and it didn't grade out very well. In coverage in particular... The guy has graded in 2017 elite, and in 2018 good, bordering on very good. In the last two years, he's only given up four touchdowns, but has had nine pass breakups and eight interceptions. That's not a bad ratio. So again, for a six foot one, 205 pound guy running a 4.53, drafted in the fourth round in 2014, only 26 going on 27, to play as well to be a safety that can cover. As, as needy as a lot of teams are, and as much money as teams are throwing around for guys that can't do what Trey Boston can do, something's wrong with the guy. And the, the thing that I, I tend to think is if there's something wrong, whether it be injury or especially locker room concern, the last team in the NFL that's going to take a swing at Trey Boston is the Packers. 
I haven't been able to find anything yet, but I haven't really looked. I did go back a little bit in his history and found some injuries, right? I mean, the reason he hasn't played or didn't play in 2015 or whatever was because of injury. He was put on IR. It was kind of like a back-to-back kind of deal. I, I don't know. But something else is going on here because it just does not make any sense why this guy cannot find a team. Maybe it's the inconsistency, right? Overall, he grades out pretty well, but he's got some pretty bad games on tape. There's no question about that. Uh, just looking at 2018, week one and two were really bad games. Week 10 wasn't great. I guess it was kind of average-ish. Week 12 against the Chargers was not very good. Uh, against Green Bay as a strong safety, which, you know, isn't really what he normally does, but he wasn't very good there. Uh, against Detroit in Week 14, not very good. And Week 16 against L.A. was pretty bad. But you, you, still, you'd be hard-pressed to find a player that's consistent beyond that. What did I list? Four, five, six games? Everybody has bad games. I mean, I'll concede he's not Earl Thomas, fine, but compared to just about everybody, especially the guy that the Packers brought in for a visit, whatever his name was, I don't know, something's up there, but I'm just assuming we're not going to get him because there's other things going on. All right, I want to get to a little bit of Q&A. First of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's uh, throwing these things out there. It's really helping me, especially on days where I oversleep. Um, Sometimes it gets me behind, but sometimes it really gets me through um, slow news days, and uh, man, I overslept. I don't have a lot of time to look into things, you know, those days too. But I want to first off start off with Jim from Florida. I'm not going to play the whole message. He's got several questions embedded, but I am going to play the last part of it in which he gives his opinion because I guess I'll concede it a little bit. Okay, now I'm going to give you one of my opinions. As a longtime listener, a while back, you had mentioned about Bruce Bruce Springsteen's uh, tremendously bad Christmas Carol. Now, my thoughts are, I agree with you 100%, but his song, Glory Days, is what us guys over 70 live for. Uh, the best to you and your family. Bye. I think as, as long as we can agree that that Santa Claus is Coming to Town song is the worst song that has ever been made in the history of the universe, and that it sounds like horrible karaoke, you know, we, we can be friends. But uh, I actually, I had to look that up, Glory Days. I obviously know the song, but it's it's not a I'm not a big Bruce Sp- Bruce fan. Look, he's fun. He, he his songs are fun. He's just I don't think he's a super great singer. It's kind of like when I was a kid and my dad explained to me constantly how rap isn't music, and that was a constant refrain in the '90s from people who grew up listening to rock. It's not music. It's like talking. That's like Bruce Springsteen to me. He's a good singer in a very narrow band. I don't mean band like the guys playing music. I mean in, in a narrow spectrum, and it very much sounds like loud talking when he has to go out and sing like oh i'm gonna go cover a christmas song that's when you realize his very limited abilities like oh you're actually trying to sing now that's horrendous like if he can just keep his songs to he'll be all right anyways i like jim let's get to some of his questions now first of all his question uh was seems like mike Patton has his hand in some of these coaches or coaching decisions one of my overall thoughts um, I've, I've kind of gone in-depth on that, so I don't want to go too much. I'm not exactly sure the best way to do it, Jim. If you're really interested in an in-depth thing, I know you've been said you've been listening for a while, so maybe you already heard it, but if you just kind of scroll, I'm guessing you'll find an episode that's titled Something to Do with Coaches. I don't know. It's in there somewhere if you really want to find it. Actually, I did a little search. It's about 280s to 290s, bunch of episodes on coaches. 281, coaching hunt continues. 282, more coaches. So this is looking for coaches. I don't know, probably in there somewhere. 
But overall, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't really have an opinion. You never really know what's going to happen. One of the things I had mentioned in an earlier podcast, you look at the Ravens defensive coach. The Ravens last year had one of the best defenses in the NFL. I mean, statistically, they were top of a lot of different categories, did some really incredible things. But the funny thing is, if you look at their defensive coordinator and you go back over his history, and if you were to ask me my opinion on that guy being hired as the defensive coordinator by the Ravens, and I think it was an internal promotion, but still, if you just said, give me your opinion on how successful he's going to be, I would have said he's going to be garbage. Because it just there's nothing about his past record that would have indicated that he's going to be able to build an incredible defense. I just think sometimes it really does come down to fit, and you hear the Packers talking about, well, he's a good fit for us and all this stuff. And it feels like a throwaway line, and I hate it because it's like, no, I don't want fit. I don't want character. I want good, and I want reputable. But I really just think it, it, it just depends. And I just think that that was a good fit for him in that time with those guys, right? That There's a certain thing that he does well, and it just sort of fit, and everything meshed together, and it just all came together as this awesome thing. So really, we're just we're not going to know. I, I do like, overall in general, the idea that we've gotten rid of a lot of the guys that we had. I like the fact that we've got a lot of young guys because I think energy was something that was lacking. I think the coaches generally, as I've said before, got comfortable. I don't think they were putting in the amount of effort that they used to. We heard players, you know, from HaHa Clinton Dix two years ago talking about, you know, stuff's getting out of control, guys aren't putting in effort, to David Bakhtiari talking about guys aren't showing up to meetings, guys aren't getting to the plane on time, guys aren't getting to the bus on time. You got Aaron Rodgers getting upset and frustrated with, you know, the wide receivers coach getting frustrated with Mike McCarthy. And then, you know, it, it just it just didn't feel like a lot of effort was being put in. So so we, a new energized young group that's going to put in a lot of effort. But at the end of the day, what are the results going to be? I don't know. I know that I like um, some of the guys that we, we have had. I liked Campen, who's gone, who was our offensive line coach. I really do like our defensive line coach. Seems like he's doing a fantastic job. Otherwise, I don't know. I do tend to like Mike Smith, the outside linebacker coach, as you did say in here. You've mentioned that I have mentioned that. Primarily, the reason I like it is because of what I've heard about him from guys like D Ford, but I don't know that that's really unique to what usual position guys do, right? The the focus on fundamentals. I feel like that's primarily what a position coach should do. Whereas you get like a defensive coordinator that focuses on the macro, you get the position coaches focusing on the micro. Let's focus on your footwork and your hand placement and all that kind of stuff. But last year we didn't have one. And as I've rallied on several times, not only did we not have an outside linebackers coach, we technically didn't even have a linebackers coach because that was, we had one guy who was, you know, linebackers slash assistant head coach so he was like a halfway linebackers coach and you know what a quarter of the way outside linebackers coach so certain things like that have me have me optimistic other things just the fact that how terrible things like cornerback and safety have been you know I mean it, it's possible that we're just this bad at drafting but it, it could also be a coaching thing again Demarius Randall seems like he had some talent we played him out of position Micah Hyde looked like he had some talent we just played him out of position and did I mean he was good with the Packers but he got a lot better when he left now we've got a bunch of really early round talent that doesn't seem to want to materialize and you know you could look at it as man we just really stink at drafting but I don't know maybe the guys that we have at that position just aren't very good at, at coaching these guys up the same can be said about wide receiver by the way a lot of young, talented wide receivers, and Aaron Rodgers is getting upset because these wide receivers don't know what to do. So the, the potential upside of, of what happens if suddenly we have coaches that can help these guys reach their full potential is incredible, especially at cornerback because they were drafted early because of the amount of talent that they do have. But I don't think we're really seeing it yet. But, you know, the opportunity is there as far as my specific opinion on what they're going to I have no idea. And nobody has any idea because you just never know. I think even with coaches more so than players, it, there's just 
there's so much as far as fit, as far as scheme, as far as players, as far as everything else to determine how successful a coach is going to be. It's just impossible. Uh, Jim also had a question about Oren Burks playing safety. If there's one thing I know, I, I got to ask this because I'm, I'm going to be doing an interview today with the uh, um, one of the other guys in the Overtime Podcast Network. So I'm going to have to start interacting with these guys and asking them if every other fan base has an, as much of an obsession of moving everybody to safety as Packer fans do. Because it really just blows my mind the amount of people. Every single person that doesn't pan out, we got to push them to safety. Everybody. Tremont was a safety before we moved him to safety. Josh Jackson is a safety. Oren Burks is a safety. Every single body that just isn't really working where they're at. It's like, just, I mean, do we just assume that safety is the easiest position in the world and we should just, I don't know. I'm not trying to make fun, Jim. I'm just saying it's, it's just an interesting observation with Packers fans. The amount of players that I've heard say should play safety. As far as my general thoughts on it, I, I think he's going to be better at linebacker if he's going to be good at anything. And I don't mean to keep dumping on Oren Burks. Uh, anybody that was a rookie last year that wasn't very good, there's plenty of opportunity, especially now, again, with the coaching changes, to be able to maximize his abilities. And he was drafted because he has a lot of upside. I think he was drafted too early again. I get tired of the Packers drafting for athleticism as opposed to just, you know, are you a good football player? Because I think a lot of people saw us take Oren Burks in the third and said, well, that's not a good football player. And Gutekunst and everybody's high-fiving because it's like, whoa, we got one of the most athletic guys in the draft in the third. What a steal. And I don't like thinking that the Packers are dumb, but sometimes when stuff like that happens, I just, it's very frustrating. But he, I mean, it could pan out, but he's got a lot of learning to do because athleticism is just, that's the baseline, right? A lot of people can run fast. A lot of people that aren't even in the NFL can run faster than guys in the NFL. There are people that can run a lot faster than Devontae Adams just walking around in the streets right now. Not one of them can come into the NFL and play like Devontae Adams at wide receiver. Not one. Because playing football is about being able to play football. It's not about jump and run and all this stuff. That's just the baseline. You have to at least be able to do this. Once you get there, then we ask the question, okay, well, can you play football? But I'd like to be able to see what he can do at linebacker, to be able to utilize that speed going laterally sideways, um, sideline to sideline. And I think we just, it's either, it's, it's sink or swim. And we're going to have more questions about changing position. My general thought on it is just no. If you got a guy like Demarius Randall who is primarily a safety, fine. Right? I had even mentioned, why don't we just try him there? What's it going to hurt? We have a need at safety. He can't play cornerback. Why don't we just try it? Well, the Packers apparently were too stubborn, and that was very annoying. But just, you know, the general idea of, well, this isn't working out. It's been a season. Let's throw him at safety and see what happens. I don't know. I think Packer fans just have no respect for <laughs> for safeties. And finally, Jim had another question about Andy Isabella. Very, very, very pap- popular Packers pick. I tend to think this is one of those group thing kind of things. Again, not trying to be insulting. I'm sure a lot of you have. That, that's one of the things that's annoying is when you're really big on somebody and then everybody else like jumps in on it because, you know, somebody in Packers Twitter who's got a blue check mark says it and then everybody jumps on board and it's like, well, now I, I think that, but everyone's going to think I just think like Brian Burns. When I first started talking about Brian Burns, everybody mocked me like, <laughs> Dude, he's like 230 pounds. He's a bum. He's not even going in the first round. Now, those exact same people are talking about Brian Burns like they've been, you know, like they knew it the whole time. Like, get out of my face. So if you like Andy Isabella because you like Andy Isabella, great. But please don't like Andy Isabella just because all the blue checkmark Twitter guys like Andy Isabella. That's not a reason. Just like all the blue checkmark guys on Twitter say that Ja'Kai Polite looks exactly like Clay Matthews, which is not correct. I hate to tell you, they look very different. I mean, they're both pass rushers. That's true. Other than that, I, I do not see... Clay Matthews at all when I watch Ja'Kai Polite. I don't know where that comes from other than somebody said it. Everybody else sounded, wanted to sound smart and jumped on that. 
I don't see Tasmanian Devil when I see Jakai Polite at all. But whatever, it is what it is. That's why I try to spend less and less time on Twitter. It's an annoying place. But let's look at Andy Isabella, because the dude is pretty good. No question about that. So the first thing to know about Mr. Andy Isabella, as much as he's talked about as a slot receiver, is the fact that this dude is a deep threat, maybe more so than just about anybody in college football. His yards per route run was 4.15. Now, understand, I'm not talking about yards per catch. We're talking about every time the guy runs a route, how many yards is he going to average? 4.15 every time the guy jumps out of his stance is crazy. It was actually number one in all of college football. Number one. Hollywood Brown, who's also very high on this list, was 3.56. He was fourth. Paris Campbell, another speedy guy, 3.47. So Andy Isabella sitting at 4.15 is crazy. As far as his PFF grade, he had one of the highest PFF grades in all of college football at 93.2. I started making a list of, of all the grades just in order because their, their thing here doesn't do that. But 93.2 is one of the highest anywhere. He got 69.2% of all his passes for 1,696 yards. 733 were those were yards after the catch. 7.3 yards after the catch per completion for a total of 16.8 yards per completion. So on average, when he catches the ball, 16.8 yards. Yards per target, meaning subtract out the yards after the catch, he averaged 11.6 yards. Now that's not per, I shouldn't say it's, it's taking away yards after the catch. That's not true. How deep down the field is he when he gets thrown at? Usually about 11.6 yards down the field. He also had 13 touchdowns on the season. But he's 5'8", 188 pounds. He's a small guy, but he's blazing fast. 4-3-1 he ran in the 40. Had a really, really good um, combine. Uh, he ranked number one, as I said, in yards per route run. Um, he ranked number two in deep passing yards. He ranked 11th in deep passing receptions of 20 or more yards. He had 14 catches of 20-plus yards. Uh, of his 101 total receptions, 33 of those came from the slot. So about a third of his, his catches did come in the slot. So again, he is he is a slot guy. He might just be, I don't, I, I don't know, it's hard to relegate a guy who's this fast and this much of a deep threat just in the slot. But he, you know, one third of his passes did come in the slot. Maybe that's going to be his primary thing in, in the NFL. I don't know. But of his 1,600 yards, only 429 came in the slot, which is really the problem, right? You're taking away a massive amount of, of yardage and potential, moving him from the outside to the slot. I mean, what would his yards per catch be and yards per target be if rather than running little crossing routes in the slot, he just stayed outside? But either way, very versatile, very, very athletic, very scary type of uh, a wide receiver. And I could see the returning, uh, you asked a question about his ability to return uh, kicks and whatnot. Immediately, the thing that comes to mind is Randall Cobb, right? Very similar kind of thing coming out of college. Smaller guy, fast guy. Andy Isabella's quite a bit faster, but still, he's also smaller. That's what came to mind, though. Either way, I, I just I think there's a big difference. I mean, Randall Cobb coming out, I think, was always going to be a receiver, a slot receiver, slash, you know, part-time running back, slash kick returner, whereas Andy Isabella is, is more of a, a true wide receiver. Not to knock Randall Cobb, I'm just saying coming out, that was that was the, the talk about Randall Cobb. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think especially with as much depth as there is and the fact that Andy Isabella is going to be more of a mid-round guy, they could probably throw him back at uh, kick returner just to kind of solidify his spot on the team and his value to the team while he tries to work his way up onto the roster. I don't know how much of a fight he would have, but it's it's a deep group, man. I mean, if he's a third, fourth round guy, big whoop. Jamon was a fourth, and he's got a year under his belt. Equinemius has got a lot of time under his belt. Marquez has got a season under his belt. You got Kumaro. You got everybody else already doing it. 
Not to mention, as of right now, Trevor Davis is still on the team, so he wouldn't be able to just walk on and win that job. But anyways, very, very valuable if we decide to get him. I think it's somebody that we could kind of slide into the slot receiver spot, but I'm not exactly as over the moon as everybody else is necessarily. It's a decent fit. We have a need in the slot. If he's able to do kick return, punt return, whatever, then that adds to his value for the Packers. But I, I just, I, in general, I think there's a lot of options. I think there's a lot of options as far as speed guys, slot guys, wide receivers in general. Especially we're talking about pick 30, pick 44 earlier on. Not that Andy Isabella would ever go that high. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. If we got him, that'd be great. If not, not worried about it. Now, moving on to the next question. Thank you again, Jim, for all the uh, the questions and comments on Mr. Springsteen and whatnot. I kind of thought, actually, that this was Jim again, just in text message form, because it's somebody that lives in Florida with a Wisconsin number, but Jim is 414 and this is 608. But are you ready for this? With all the physical gifts of Jeff Janis, why didn't we try to use him at safety or corner? <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun, I'm just saying, and I'm dead serious, these came in like hours of each other. Just saying, Packer fans love making everybody a safety. Continuing on with his question now. Was he mentally challenged in the recognition of offensive formations and route trees? He showed he was a willing tackler when they used him on special teams as a gunner. Just wondering what your thoughts were. So, I, you know, it, it makes sense. You can draw the, the connect the dots. I mean, you, you can say he should be able to recognize formations because he's an offensive player. Okay, I guess. Willing tackler because he's on special teams. That's true. But, I mean, there's just so much to it, right? Moving from wide receiver to safety is a massive switch. You know, why is it so hard for somebody to move from right tackle to left tackle? I mean, just, just just that transformation alone is supposed to be pretty massive. So, you know, first of all, understanding an offense from an offensive perspective as opposed to diagnosing an offense from a defensive perspective is entirely different. I mean, it's it's sort of like the mirror image. And to be able to twist your brain that way to understand the mirror image is, is complicated. Beyond that, there's the whole issue of actually playing safety. I mean, you have to actually learn how to do it, right? Um. And beyond that, I just, I don't know if I'm a coach, how much time I'm going to dedicate to this isn't working, let's move you to a new position, right? I mean, at what point does Jason Spriggs not work out a tackle? And rather than cut him, we tell him to cut weight and let's see if he can play tight end. Or maybe put on a couple extra pounds, see if we can put him at defensive end or defensive tackle. Or Oren Burks to safety or Josh Jackson to safety. Heck, let's just put Jason Spriggs at safety if he doesn't continue to pan out. Maybe Byron Bell, if we tell him to lose like 150 pounds, we could try him at safety. Let's try it out, see what happens. The, the, the point is, I just, I got a lot of stuff to do as a coach, and maybe there are situations where you try it out, but I just, I, I just, I don't want to mess with that too much, right? We, we've got you, and this is what you're going to do, and we're going to spend as much time as we can, because, you know, practice time is all brought down to basically nothing because of the unions and the contract negotiation and all this stuff. They got about eight minutes a year to actually practice things. I just don't want to spend a lot of that time, you know, spending half of my time trying to see if you can pull this off. And then if you can't, being like, all right, let's try to teach you an entirely new position that you've never played all through high school, college, pros, anything, and see how it goes. Right? There's there's a lot of guys that are on special teams that should not play safety and cornerback. I mean, there's offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, there's, there's wide receivers that are really good gunners outside of Janice, and it just it doesn't necessarily mean, and you know, I don't know. So, you know, again, you can you can connect the dots up to a point, but then from there, it's, there's just a wide chasm between what we know, you know, um, he knows offenses kind of, and is willing to tackle, and then from that to what is all required to be a safety, there's a huge gap in between. Maybe he can cross all the way to the other side, and it would have been a good move. Maybe somebody will figure that out and, and make it work, 
or maybe he falls short in one or two or three or 40 different areas that require that are required of you before you become a safety. I have no idea. So I could understand if the Packers did say they were going to try him at safety. It's one of those things you can think about as you pointed out, you know, the tackling and all that stuff and go, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But for me to sit here and say we should put him at safety is impossible. I have no possible way of knowing that. Worth a shot? Sure. But again, at the same time, we've got cut downs to do. We've got a limited amount of time to practice. We've got you as a wide receiver. You know, can you do it? The answer is no. We've got a lot of other wide receivers. All right, goodbye. It's very understandable how they, and it's also understandable how you can miss talent that way. Maybe it's a hidden gem there, him at safety, but probably not a lot of coaches are going to want to invest the time in bringing him in, saying, hey, do you want to play safety, teaching him from the ground up how to play safety and seeing how it pans out. Because we have roster limitations, we have budget limitations, I have to pay you a portion of the money that we have that we could be allocating to someone else on a complete flyer out of nowhere to see if you can play safety. And I think that's the biggest problem. So, Good points. Makes sense. Maybe it's possible. Probably never going to happen. And I don't blame the Packers for not trying it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, as I, I'm sure you saw at this point, Bashad Breland is officially gone. This sort of increases the the question that I had posed yesterday about cornerback. And I heard a lot of the comments, and these are all things that I conceded prior to talking about, do we need corner? Um, th- th- there's a lot of areas in which we could say that the corners probably, maybe, could, should, whatever, improve. For example, improved pass rush is going to help. Safety help is going to help. New coaching could possibly help. Natural growth in the system could possibly help. But now, even from a standpoint of depth, it becomes kind of a question. So at the very least, I think it's not even so much a question of will we draft a cornerback, but when. And you could, um, as was pointed out, I think on Twitter, it all gets jumbled together now. But if, if we draft a safety, Tremont maybe could move back to corner, which could help. The, and that's true. Still isn't a ton of depth. We're talking about four guys, one of whom is 40, another guy has never made it halfway through a season. But beyond that, the biggest problem I have with that is we're paying Tremont a decent sum of money 
And if he moves to corner and is able to win the job as a starter, that's problematic for our team as a whole. So I just there, there's no real situation where we don't add corners to this team and I feel good about it. I think, you know, best case scenario if we don't is, you know, we, we satisfy safety, Tremont moves back to corner to fill the depth and is our fourth best corner and pretty much just stays on the bench the whole time. At which point the biggest problem I have is the fact that we're paying him so much money to sit on the bench. Again, there are no good solutions here. But as Matt on Twitter and I were talking about, I just want this resolved, man. I get that we're all tired of it. I get that a lot of people have high hopes for the potential. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of being the laughingstock of the NFL as far as our defense. I'm tired of getting picked apart in the pass game and just never being able to get this cornerback thing right. Whether it's poor drafting, poor coaching, whatever it is, it's a real, real, real massive embarrassment. Who else struggles like this? I mean, at least at, at some point in somebody's history, they've, they've been pretty good at, at defending the pass. And in the last, what, five years, they've at least been able to draft somebody that's talented, even if they've only got one or two guys. But to be this bad at safety for so long and thinking we fought, I mean, we, we fought, sort of had a thing with HaHa and Burnett where it was pretty good. Right, HaHa, when he was at his peak, I think Burnett was still a pretty good guy. But that came after a really, really horrible run at safety. And then it was very short-lived because we got rid of Morgan Burnett. HaHa fell apart without having Morgan Burnett by his side, which, by the way, think about that for a moment. Again, getting back to the whole HaHa's trash, Bears fans are going to hate him. He was pretty good when he had a good safety next to him. Morgan Burnett was a good safety. Morgan Burnett was nowhere as good as Eddie Jackson, though. Just saying. But once again, we're back in the situation where we don't really have any good safeties. We have Adrian Amos. Hopefully he's going to pan out. Still need more safeties. We have one. Cornerback has been such a long time. And and, and the, the biggest frustration is we've had such good offenses. Aaron Rodgers and Jordy and Cobb and all these guys just tearing it up on offense. Eddie Lacy was a good running back. Offensive line was incredible. Tight end was serviceable. But we couldn't win games because Aaron Rodgers would put up 35 points and the other team would put up 42 because we just couldn't do anything. And and to some degree, we blamed Dom Capers, and that was fair. But to a degree, it definitely comes down to the players. We've got a new defensive coordinator. Guess what didn't get changed? Anything. Outside linebackers got drastically worse last year. Kevin King did not get better. Devon House was a lot worse last year, even though he was never not good two years ago either. He was a lot worse last year. Safeties completely fell off a cliff. Mike Daniels wasn't as good last year. It's hard to find a lot of guys that got better after Petten came in. The defense maybe got better, but we drafted a lot of people that had a decent impact. Just saying I'm tired of it, man. So one of my favorite things about the coaching changes is there's no more excuses. Right? Mike McCarthy had all his excuses taken away. We got you a new defensive coordinator. We got you new this and new that. Brought your old offensive coordinator back. Fix this. Took all his excuses away. He couldn't fix it. We got rid of him. We just keep firing everybody until something gets fixed. If this still doesn't do it, it's... it's. What are we down to now? Is it drafting? Is it, Are we just that bad? We, is it the GM situation that's just dire? What is going on? Now, hopefully everything's fine. Cornerbacks take a massive leap. Awesome draft class. Gutekunst knocks it out of the park, and the Packers are, are top of the NFC North, and, and at least in the playoff. But the optimism at this point is just, just off-season optimism that all 32 fan bases have, with the exception maybe of the Miami Dolphins, and a couple of Giants fans who are, you know, being talked off a ledge right now. Maybe some Redskins fans. I'm just saying, in general, optimism is high, but all we've seen over the last five years is a steady decline. And that just keeps continuing, and things continue to get worse. And we've got all the excuses in the world. Well, this was bad because of this. 
Well, that was bad because of that. Well, 2017 doesn't count because Aaron Rodgers got hurt, so, I mean, that doesn't count. Well, 2018 was bad because, um, McCarthy was the problem. So, that's, that, then, so now it's better. And now we're going back to what it used to be. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just saying I'm, I'm running out of stuff here. It's also why I harp on the locker room so much, because it's, it's such a frail, fragile thing to be able to try to turn this thing around. Everything kind of has to go right to, to turn the ship that hard. We can't have crazy stuff going on in the locker room. We've got a coach, he's got a vision, and it has to work. And I think a huge portion of whether or not a coach is successful when he comes in is buy-in. I'd rather have a team buy-in real hard to a pile of garbage than a coach coming in with a great plan, but the team just doesn't care, doesn't listen, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen to the first team, but I know the second team isn't going anywhere. I don't know how this turned. How did, how did we get here? I never know. Cornerback, that's what we were talking about. I'm just saying it's tiring. And, and we're, we're, we're so close. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you look in the past and you say everything's horrible. Then you look now and you say, well, not a whole lot has changed. But you also look at it and say, man, if we could just tweak like one or two things, there's really no reason that this couldn't be a great team. Right? Why didn't the offense go? Well, for one, we just had the one wide receiver, which is great. But when you just have one, it's easy to take that away. We didn't have any tight ends that were receiving threat. We didn't have any really real wide receiving threat. We had a really good running back, but we never utilized him. So we were basically handicapped by, number one, having limited talent. Number two, any other talent we did have, McCarthy did not utilize or didn't know how to utilize. We know he doesn't know how to utilize tight ends. And we we saw the routes that were run. Just ridiculous. I mean, the, the automatic third down sacks, because on third and four, he calls four verticals or... Or, or my second favorite play, when it's like third and five, and the corners are playing off, and they're basically just standing at the line of scrimmage, and he calls like four curls, which basically means run to that cornerback and then stop and turn around, and then just stand there and watch Aaron Rodgers get sacked. Such a good creative play call that was. I love that one. I especially like the part where the wide receivers get to watch it happen, as opposed to, you know, when they get exhausted running down the field and just hearing the moans of the crowd as they're just running blindly into the tunnel, not even bothering to look back for the ball because, I mean, what's the point? This is a ridiculous play call. I'm just going to run to the stands and see if I can grab a beer and a, and a hot dog. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's easy to see. We still have Aaron Rodgers. We still have Devontae. We still have Aaron Jones. We should have an improved run game and hopefully offensive line. If we can just add a wide receiving threat, maybe we don't even need to add anybody. Maybe we have plenty of, of weapons. We just need a coach that knows what he's doing. Cool. Add a running back for depth and offense is good. Look at defense. We now have pass rush. Add another safety. If, if the guys, if the cornerbacks take a little bit of a leap, I mean, we, we got a really good team here. I'm just saying I'm, I'm getting tired of relying on guys taking a jump and then they don't and then the team gets worse and then spending an entire year on this podcast trying to find excuses as to why. How is this possible? What is happening right now? Because the fact of the matter is there is no excuse. Everything about this team is, is just primed for success. Problem is, last year's team was also should have been a lot better. Cornerback should have been awesome. Whatever, you get the point. But Gutekunst has, has finally got a full year to evaluate guys. He's got his full staff in place. I think that's going to be a massive thing. I think that's something we tend to forget is that he didn't have... He didn't have everything in place. Ted Thompson was, well, he stepped down. But then Gutekunst had to simultaneously learn how to be a GM, step into the office, hire a staff, develop a strategy. And as this is going on, other scouting departments are already halfway through this process. 
So he pretty much just had to jump on Ted Thompson's process and just kind of run with it. But this year, he's got his own process. He's got his own guys. Brought in Milt Hendrickson, which, again, if nothing else, the Baltimore Ravens know how to help defense. So we'll see. Should be interesting. The offseason or the uh, the free agency was certainly interesting and certainly a different change of pace. And we do we need something different. As much as draft and develop makes sense on paper, it's it's just leading us into a dark chasm. Something has to change. Either start drafting and developing better or do something else because it's getting kind of bad out there. Green Bay Packers went from easily the best in the division to third in the division and as the as the, I'm watching the Lions get better every single week as they continue to sign people I'm legitimately getting concerned I don't know what I want more to win the division or to not be fourth in the division I don't know what is a stronger urge at this point but you know the bottom line is it comes down to two things and then everything else is just out of our hands well everything is out of our hands but everything else is out of everybody else's hands number one they gotta nail the draft you look at look at teams like the Saints and some of these teams that have, have gone from worst to first, it's because they just killed it in the draft. The Seattle Seahawks basically had, what, four or five years of success based on more or less just one good draft. The Saints became a powerhouse because of drafting. Even the Bears. A lot of the Bears' success isn't because they went out and got Khalil Mack. It's because they, they had a bunch of real good hits in the draft for quite a while. That added up. Trubisky, unfortunately for them, wasn't one of them. At least not yet. But Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, Eddie Goldman... Even Kyle Fuller tended to pan out after a while. Guys like Cody Whitehair on offense. I mean, this stuff, it adds up. That's why draft and develop is so important, because if you're not drafting well, you will fail. If you are drafting well, you will succeed. There's basically a direct correlation. So Gutekunst has to hit it. we got two first-round picks. We have a bunch of picks. He's got to knock this one out of the park. Because looking back on last year's draft, as much as I liked it at the time, I mean, we got Jair. As far as guys that are big impact last year, it's kind of it. You know, the punter, I guess. I'm not talking about guys that played. I understand guys played. Josh Jackson played. I'm talking about guys that were big impact guys that, that you look at and go, wow, he's going to be really good. Jair, that's it. Otherwise, there's a bunch of maybes and hopefullys. So this is big, man. As we speak right now, Brian Gutekunst is, is formulating their board. They're getting it all set up. They're working through strategizing and, and trying to make correct moves. All the decisions that we're trying to figure out as Packer fans that are, that are hard to figure out. What do you do at 12? Is there somebody worth trading up for? Who would be the right pick at 12? Do you add another edge rusher? Do you go with a different position? Do you get crazy and go with a Hawkinson? Do you maybe get like a DK if you actually believe that he can be a really good receiver? And I posted a video by Brett Coleman. Really love that guy's breakdowns. But he had a really good opinion on DK Metcalf. In other words, just saying, yes, I understand he's limited. So what? The things he does well, he does better than just about anybody. And he went on to show Calvin Johnson basically had similar limitations but nobody cared because he ran basically four routes, but he did it so perfectly, you can't stop it. So, I mean, would you would you consider that? Do you have to go defense? Do you have to go edge? Would you take an Ed Oliver? Do you want to go high risk? Do you want to go safe? These are massive, quite for us, it's just fun. Ooh, a mock draft. Let's have some fun. Let's do this. We have little Twitter spats like, oh, that was a dumb pick. This is serious, man. This is the future of, of the Green Bay Packers. If we continue sliding much further, this is this is disastrous. But again, we, we're, we're on the verge of something being awesome. But the draft has to be hit it out of the park. What up, dance party? And then after that, it's the coaching. It's the coaches. They went out and they, they got a coaching staff. I told you I wasn't a big fan of his based on what he did in Tennessee. Of course, we laid out all the excuses about why, well, that doesn't count because, you know, his quarterback was hurt and his tight end he based his offense around. He was hurt. Fine. Great. 
but production is production, and that's what we need. So in the offseason, I'm happy to be optimistic, but all these things have to actually happen. LaFleur needs to actually be a really good play caller. I've never seen that. He supposedly is. Let's see if he can do it. LaFleur is supposedly really good with quarterbacks. Let's see if that can happen. Pettin is supposed to be a very, very good defensive coordinator. We got him a bunch of pieces. Let's see if it can happen. We got a bunch of new coaches on defense. Let's see if they can actually coach and bring these guys up. Gutekunst has stacked his entire staff with college scouting guys, right? Certain people get upset because it's like, where's all the pro personnel guys for so that we can hit free agency? He said, forget that. We're getting all college scouting guys. We want to nail the draft. All right. You got a full year. You got your full staff. You got everything worked out just right. You got two first round draft picks. Please, please, please. I mean, can, can we just one time get a stud ever? We have even Kenny Clark is as amazing as he is. And I don't want to downplay it because I guess who cares in the long run. But even he would hardly even played in his first year. I mean, the, the Packers just never have that guy that instantly it's like, wow, you know, easily the best guy in this draft. Wow, what a great value at here. What about this? What about who? Who is that guy? Bears drafted Eddie Jackson in the third round. He's the number one safety in the NFL. You know, look at guys like Alvin Kamara, T- Tyreek Hill, guys that just jump in and are instantly good football players. Jair is, again, the closest thing we came to that, and even that is, at the end of the year, 32nd best cornerback, and not really knocking out of the park in all the advanced metrics. I don't know. I guess I'm in a bad mood today. I don't know what's going on. It's probably because I've been sitting in the dark for so long. I'm tired, I'm out of coffee, and I'm sitting in a dark basement. I don't know. i got to vent at least once a month. Optimism is fantastic, and it's awesome, but I don't know. You got you got to have a counterpoint once in a while. Not everything can be the greatest move in the history of the world. Adrian Amos is elite. These two edge rushers we got are elite. Offensive lineman we got is awesome. New coach is going to be awesome. Elite play caller. Our run game is going to be the best in the NFL with Aaron Jones and an improved offensive line. Gutekunst is the greatest drafter of all time. Like all this stuff is a fairy tale. Like none of this is real, and it's cool to think about. But you know, whatever. We 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 got we got one shot at this. The coaching decision has been made. He's got to hit it out of the park, and we got to draft well in this draft. That legitimately will make the, those two things will make the difference between a legitimate shot at a Super Bowl and being fourth in the division. Very serious, very serious decisions to be made, and that have been made already. But anyways, uh, i got to stop it there, running behind. We'll get back to blinding optimism starting tomorrow. Otherwise, you folks enjoy your Tuesday. It is the worst day of the week. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.